Kobe Bryant. to the Counted Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ahan Adahan Rungta on Twitter. We are back this week with former and definitely future active Major League pitcher Dylan Rowe. Dylan, thank you so much for being here, spending your afternoon with us in a time that's not normal, to say the least. Thanks for spending your afternoon with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I mean, it's great to be able to be heard, and I appreciate you giving me and some other guys a platform to do so appreciate you as well i since we are still in quarantine although it might not necessarily seem like it uh, i wanted to ask you uh how have you been coping with quarantine not just physically but just mentally um in a time where not only do do you not necessarily have a team but also a lot of other people are just finding it tough to cope with a time like this, how has it been for you? Where are you at right now, and how how are you uh, how are you coping with it? I mean, for me, nothing really changes. Um, I've been released four times now. I'll always find my way back in, and I mean, I have a system that I stick to in terms of getting better and always kind of chasing to get better. So this just gives me more time to reflect on what I need to work on and then improve upon that. And I mean, obviously, I don't want to make light on the bigger situation going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that. So, I mean, I want to let people know I'm with them with that. And obviously I'm in an unfortunate situation, but there's much worse things going on. And that's kind of how I keep it in perspective. But for me, it's just keep training, keep getting better. For sure. And where you're at, are gyms open now? Is everything sort of back to normal? Uh, do you have throwing partners that you train with? How's that going for you? Yeah. So my gym's been able to, um, operate in small groups so I've been lucky for that I mean not many other people have had access to a gym like that I'm down in Arizona right. and I train at uh, Push Performance um, big baseball gym I mean there's a lot of guys in there so it's nice to be able to train with people with uh, similar goals to me yep and we've been seeing you around a little bit on Twitter which is why I reached out to you um, Mitch Horacek who was on the podcast a few weeks ago actually retweeted it so you've been training uh, pretty hard with uh, Rapsodo. Uh, so I just want to talk a little bit about your experience using Rapsodo and how that helped you train. And uh, you said on Twitter that it, you've credited them for helping you increase your velocity, your mechanics in general. So could you speak a little bit maybe to how you've used it and sort of what gave you the idea uh, to use that for your training? So it's not necessarily that it's helped me with my velocity um, driveline and then training with push, cleaning up my mechanics, getting stronger. That helped with the velocity. So once that came, I didn't want to be just a velocity pitcher. So the Rapsodo takes the guesswork out of ball flight and it shows you how your pitches actually move. So with that, I was able to tinker around and create new pitches or make my current off-speed fastball better. Um, and so the main thing I've used it for is to develop a slider and actually luckily stumbled upon a splitter. Um, which is going to be my best pitch. I'm going to throw that 65% of the time. And that's just based off data on the pitch, kind of compared to big leaders have been successful with it and then kind of emulate them, but add my own flair to it. So um, it's pretty exciting to, I guess, know that your pitch, I mean, it grades out around 80, which is really good. So it's just like, that's a new beast that I have and I throw hard. So that's why it kind of keeps me going because I know what I can do. I just need that chance now. 
Right. And clearly you're an advocate for data-driven uh, baseball and you've been using RepSoto and you like using it. Now, have you had a bunch of either teammates or people you know in baseball who also use RepSoto? Because I know there are people who are like, I don't want the nerd stuff ruining my, my baseball training, stuff like that. There definitely exists people like that. But uh, what's the general vibe of like people you played with? Uh, do they also really care about the data side of baseball? And where do you think that's sort of shifting nowadays? I mean, it's definitely shifting towards that, but that doesn't take away from like the old school mentality and like cues and stuff like those, they work together. Like you shouldn't be, I mean, it's literally like anything, especially right now, you can't be right. too far right. You can't be too far left. It's just meet in the middle. You use your old school techniques, but you have the data for like, there's no guesswork because before you'd throw a pitch and the catcher would be like, Oh, that was nasty or whatever. But now we can literally quantify it. So I don't see where the issue is. So, I mean, as we've moved along, it used to be super frowned upon and now everyone's about it. I mean, three years ago, it's, I don't want to swear, but with just weighted like plyo balls to fix my mechanics, I got told by a pitching coach to take my weighted balls and shove them up my, <laughs> you know what? Yep. And, and now everyone's using them. It's just, so it's like, I was lucky to be one of the first ones to it and kind of adopted it and it's helped me a lot. And now just kind of continue with the wave. Right. And speaking of uh, training, uh, how's your role been at a, as a trainer at Driveline Baseball? Sort of, how did you get involved with Driveline? Uh, what's that experience been like for you? Any interesting uh, stories or cool people you met along the way? I mean, everybody at Driveline is just amazing because they were, I mean, they're the ones leading this this wave of kind of new school coming in, but they also aren't all that. So um, I was lucky to, when I first got released, I was only throwing 87. And so I kind of was like, I'm going to try this. And I got a huge VLO gain. I was always asking questions, became friends with a lot of the guys. And then this last offseason, they asked me if I wanted to be an online trainer. So basically, I just program for kids and kind of help them. And then we always have like meetings. I get to see all their like biomechanics stuff and just like anything they're working on. So I mean, I, yeah, I get paid from it, but that's not what I get out of it. The It's the learning and like continuing to grow. Because as soon as you think you know something, or like you think you're knowledgeable in something, that's when you realize that you literally know nothing. So it's, it's awesome. Cause I'll, sometimes I'll think I'll be on like my high horse, like, Oh, I know so much. And then you just get humbled because there's so many smart people, especially at driveline. I mean, from Kyle Bodie all the way down to the interns there are just so intelligent. So it's, sure. it's really helped me grow a lot. And you mentioned online training. So that's interesting to me. Was that sort of going on before quarantine or was that just a, a product of having to do things online? So it is, it, it has been going on for quite a while, but obviously with um, quarantine and then everything, the season's getting shut down. A lot of people, it's kind of influx of um, athletes to online training. And so it's just nice to be able to see kids have results, but then also I know that what I'm implementing is working when you see results. So then I can do it for myself. So sure. yeah, I'm helping people, but the amount that I get back is tenfold of what I get to give out. That's awesome. Now, going back a little bit, I want to talk about some of your experiences as a ball player. So you were drafted in the 19th round out of Central Michigan uh, by the Orioles in 2013. And I want to also talk a little bit about uh, you pitching for Team Canada for the Premier Baseball Tournament. So what were, what were those experiences like? Was there anything surprising necessarily about playing uh, for Team Canada, some stuff you learned along the way, and also the experience of the draft. And I also want to talk a little bit about the draft being only five rounds this year. So sort of thinking of all of that in perspective, 
Do you have thoughts on the change in the MLB draft, stuff like that? And do you think the experience for you would have been very different had you been getting drafted this year? Yeah, so obviously if I were in the draft this year, I wouldn't have gotten drafted. Um, I went into my junior year as a high prospect. And then honestly, just I didn't I didn't take accountability for my training. I kind of just went with what was given to me. And I didn't explore how good I could have been. I was 88 to 91 out of college. And I mean, seeing how I'm training now, there's no reason I couldn't have been throwing upper 90s in college, but that's in the past. So, I mean, I think the draft is pretty short-sighted with the five rounds. Um, I do agree it needs to be shortened, but the way that they're doing it is extremely short-sighted. There's going to be, I mean, in rounds six to 10, there's so many good players. Some of the best players, Trey Mancini was a, think eighth rounder is the best player I've ever seen and I said that from the first time I saw him and so think about that if Trey Mancini didn't get drafted he's not I mean he's going through some stuff right now but um he's literally the best baseball player I've ever been around and so I just think it's super short-sighted and they're leaving a lot of good players on the table 10 would have been fine um but yeah I don't know I don't agree with the draft but we'll see what happens and then moving on to Team Canada I mean it's the best experience of my life, to be honest. The first time I've been on it, I've played with them twice. And, I mean, the first time I cried as soon as I got the call um, just because I never made, like, a team on terror. I never made any team. And then finally getting to play on, like, the team. Like, that's the best players in Canada and representing your country. You are on the field and they're playing the Canadian National Anthem for you, you know. And you're literally representing an entire country. Um getting to be around Larry Walker, getting to be around Paul Quantrill and then a bunch of other all-stars. It's just, and they're all just normal dudes. So I think being around Larry was one of the most humbling experiences because this dude, I mean, he's one of the best baseball players of all time and he couldn't be just more of just like a friend. Right. He doesn't treat anybody poorly. He's the nicest dude, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And you and, could be yeah. anyone and he'll talk to you. And one of the most underrated players of all time. He gets no love just because he played at Coors. I mean, guy's incredible obviously an easy hall of famer probably should have gotten more votes honestly anyway, it took yeah. too long yeah yeah um and speaking of how baseball has changed they've changed in a lot of ways not necessarily just a draft but speaking of how baseball has had to change because of covid um what are some of your thoughts on the way baseball has showed out to the situation how they've sort of stepped up obviously you've definitely seen all the different back and forth going on with the Players Association, Major League Baseball, with minor leaguers. You've spent several years in the minor leagues. Do you have general thoughts on any of those issues going on, how baseball can maybe recover from some of that stuff? And the question that everybody listening wants to ask is, can baseball reasonably happen this year? And I just want to get your perspective on the situation right now. Yeah, I would say that the way the owners are dealing with this could be described in one word, and that would be embarrassing. Um, so I do think it can be played. I do think baseball will recover. But the way that they're treating the players, not even just the minor leaguers, but everyone is honestly embarrassing. They're making it look bad. They're trying to turn – they're going to the media to turn the country on the players, but it's they already made a deal, and the players are willing to take even a little bit less, but they're just – their offers are literally egregious. Um, so that's my thoughts on that. As far as minor leaguers, um, I, I agree that there definitely needs to be less people in the draft, less people drafted. There needs to be less leagues, but the way that they're going about it is also not the best. They should just come out and say, 
we're trying to make baseball more competitive and we want to push our prospects faster because the reality is a lot of the dudes that do get drafted late are just fillers so the prospects can play but say that and I feel like the public would accept that and I would accept it if you were just like look half these dudes are never going to play in the big leagues or don't even have a chance and okay that's fine and um but they're not they're like going around they're like tiptoeing around just say it honesty is the best policy always in my opinion so right. a i agree how they're going about it i mean it's pretty clear that it's not the way you should treat humans but that's right that's whatever yeah and especially we know it can be like tough to see the light as a minor leaguer i know as a minor leaguer you don't get paid nearly as much as the big leaguers just to, to say nearly as much as honestly a little just putting it a little lightly honestly we know it can be tough to sort of see the light when dedicating your life every day to being a professional you still have to put in the routine every day and then you don't get to see the financial reward right away when you're not a superstar big leaguer so how has the sort of pandemic caused you to think differently if at all about when you were in the minor leagues there are people out there getting cut uh, I know Alex King recently, he's going to be on the podcast soon as well. Alex King from the D-backs retired after, hours after getting cut. I mean, th things are changing very quickly for minor leaguers. So what does the future hold? Do you think baseball is going to start treating minor leaguers differently going forward, especially with the negative reactions this year? Or is it just always going to be sort of, if you're not a superstar big leaguer, you kind of live in that rut of not getting paid a lot? So there, there is a misconception there. Um, I do think the first step is going to be cutting down the number of minor leaguers because they validate not paying them by saying the people that are actually going to make the money are the prospects so they get signing bonuses. So I think they cut the number down, they pay them more. But um, so I was lucky and same with Mitch, we we're lucky enough to get out of our first contract. And then you sign, when you sign as a minor league free agent, you can actually make a lot of money. Like the past two years, I was supposed to make either 8,000 a month or 12,000. So that's livable. Mm -hmm. Last year, um, I'm just going to say I got screwed over by the Cardinals. That's a terrible organization. Um, and, but I don't need to get too far into that, so I didn't get any money when I thought I was going to. And then this year, I was supposed to, again, make eight to 12000 a month in the minor leagues. Um, can't predict a pandemic. And I agree with their – I don't agree with their decision to release me, but I don't have enough double-A or triple-A time to validate them putting on taxi squad. So that's just business. So I have no hard feelings to the Reds. But the Cardinals, on the other hand – you bring in all these top prospects. You tell them you can't throw plow balls. You can't do this. You can't do this. You got to wear a collared shirt. There's this door you can go out. You can talk to this person. You can do this. You can't have a phone. You can't bring a backpack in. But then you're paying these kids, what, 900 bucks a month after taxes. Wow. And, and you get – so you literally have to, like, conform to the rules, act like a professional. Well, if you're a professional, pay them like a professional. Right. Like, you can't control my whole life. I literally couldn't – I'd get yelled at from 20 – seven and i'm like have my backpacker bring a phone in I'm getting yelled at for that or like they're telling kids on twitter that you have to act professional which i agree with you should act professional but how can you tell somebody to act professional if you won't even pay them like a professional that's it's, tough. it's crazy <laughs> yeah like literally i mean you've seen it on twitter mitch is one person that just doesn't care and he just says his mind right but like no one else would do that because act like a professional well then pay them right you know 
That's that's really eye opening. That's that's tough. I I can't imagine being twenty seven and being yelled at for for stuff like that. But or like in like you can't have your phone out when you're eating. You can't. You can only eat this amount of food. You're allowed like God damn. Like I literally was. I walked out of the door and I got screamed at. And this door literally leads to nothing. God. It's just a door. Like to go outside <laughs> and there's a door like five feet to the left. No, you can't go out that door. That that right. is, that's rough. <laughs> so to. I mean, it's just stuff like that. Like they try to control you. Like not every organization is like that. The Reds aren't like that. The Giants aren't like that. I love both of those organizations. Um, and so kind of stemming off that, if there's any future draft prospects or future pro players, I think you really need to look into what the organization is about. You're going into, because unless you have your own system set up completely and you're fully confident in your training program, you can go in an organization and just be become terrible. And that's what happened to me my first time. Right. So. And, and do you have specific advice for people who do have to go through that process by looking to organizations? Is it all about just knowing people in that organization or what can people do to help make decisions like that? So uh, Alan Jagger and driveline both have a list of what the organization's kind of views are on training and stuff. But, um, if you do end up going into that, I say it's not, you're not being uncoachable, just create a system that, you know, works. There's too much information out there to not have your own system and stick to it. I mean, if you get yelled at, that's fine, but you don't want to get released doing what they told you to do. You want to get released doing what you knew you were going to do. Cause there's no worse feeling than they don't care. Like, honestly, they'll, they'll tell you to do something. And you'll fix it. You'll go do exactly what they say. You go out and you suck and it's your fault. And you get released. And I promise you that coach really doesn't lose much sleep over it. It's just on to the next one. They don't lose their job over it unless you're a top prospect. Right. All right. And I want to talk a little bit more about the fun stuff. Now, you tweeted recently at NPB. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you been following the KBO at all? Have you been uh, following the uh, Taiwanese League? Uh, have you been seeing what they're up to? The NPB starts soon as well. Are you going to follow that closely? Uh, do you hear a lot about the Asian baseball brand? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a huge fan because I just don't know. I would be. Um, but so the baseball over there is so much fun. I mean, when we went over there, the fans were so much, so much more into the game. Like it was an electric atmosphere. I remember if you, everybody should look it up. It's the Japanese closer walkout. Um, and it's literally every time I watch the video, I'll send you the video too. So you could post it or whatever, but I get chills every time I see it. And then we played team Japan and their closer came out and there's 40,000 people all jumping and singing in unison. Right. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen in Korea. They have a band going the whole time and every player has songs and just everybody in the, the crowd's having so much more fun. And it's just fun. So, I mean, a dream of mine is to go over there. It's hard just because, I mean, I've had, I have eight innings in the last two years due to injuries, um, freak one and then bad timing one. And then obviously this year. So, I mean, I just need a chance. I know I can pitch in the yeah. big leagues. I really do. Yeah. And it's gotta be fun, especially uh, if you're an international going over to Japan or Korea or stuff like that, the people there just treat the international players with honestly, maybe even a little more respect just cause like you're that commodity, you're that, that guy coming internationally, that's all, all of a sudden a hero. And if you do well there, it's, it's on another level. The fans there are amazing. So yeah, I, I hope 
even if you're not coming to the big leagues soon, at least you get a chance there and then come to the big leagues. That, that would be an awesome experience for you. But, uh, but yeah, just headed to the final segment. Uh, I want to do a quick lightning round, a few quick questions about uh, you. Uh, so we'll start with uh, your favorite baseball player, either past or present, someone you look up to. So favorite baseball player I've never met is Derek Jeter. Um, just growing up, he was just the captain. And that was just – in Canada, that was my guy. I mean, loved everything about him. Player that I know, uh, well, I mean, Larry Walker, but that's kind of biased because I'm from Canada. But the, it kind of ties into another question is most influential person and player would be Alan Mills. He was a reliever for a bunch of teams, and he was my coach for my first – my pitching coach for my first three years. And honestly, without him, I would be done. I mean, he took me under his wing and kind of showed me the light when I wasn't doing things right. And when I got released, I was good because I was with the Orioles. I was good until I saw him. I mean, right. yeah. yeah. I mean, I even thinking about I haven't now, heard that name in a while. Yeah, even thinking about it now, it like, makes me like almost tear up just having to say bye to him. We stay in contact, but he's probably, I don't know, top two most influential just people in my life, not even just baseball player. So, wow. Your favorite baseball moment so far? in your career? Uh, I would say going out and pitching for Team Canada in Japan in front of everyone. Um, just knowing you're representing the entire country, it's just – it's different. There's really nothing like like that. I couldn't even put into words. It's just completely different inspiration, more will to win. Just you, you literally want to do it for the entire country. Yeah. Uh, a teammate you've uh, learned the most from maybe – uh, in, in, in on Team Canada, I know Larry Walker is definitely going to come up, but any other teammates you've learned from uh, in the minors, college, uh, somebody that have given you experiences that you're never going to forget? So this, I actually have a really close group of friends in the minor leagues, and we all train similarly, and we all hold each other accountable. Um, I can just name them off. It's Tyler Sear, Mitch Horacek, Caleb Simpson, and a dude named Connor Overton. And we all just kind of like check each other and make sure we're pushing each other. And it's just good to have a circle of people that are all a rooting for you, but be like pushing you because we compete against each other. So like, you don't want to lose. I don't want Connor to throw harder than me. I don't want Caleb to lift more than me. You know what I mean? So it right. just makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, the toughest batter you've ever faced. Toughest batter I've ever faced. I'm trying to think. There's, I mean, there's just dudes in the minor leagues that I, I just struggled to get out for some dude named Seth Brown. Mm. I don't know why. It, he, he made it to the big leagues with the A's. I could get – it was in 17 when I was literally getting everybody out. But anytime Seth came up to the plate, it was just bad. <laughs> like, um, and then, I mean, most notable name I've ever faced would be probably Trevor Story. Yeah. Um, Tell, that was only one at bat. Yeah, there's only one at bat, so – yeah, Seth and Brown's I mean, a, yeah, Seth Brown's a name I haven't heard in a year. I used to use him on MLB The Show. Kills righties. <laughs> yeah, then that's why he killed me. And then uh, coming up through the Myers with the Orioles, I wasn't any good, but I always had to face Aaron Judge. Oof. And we were, we're friends, but he'd always get me. So that was annoying too. That's got to be scary to face Judge. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, finally, any other activities uh, that you enjoy outside of baseball? I know I saw on Instagram you golfing a little bit uh, with, with some style as well. Are, are you good at golf? Uh, you going to enter a celebrity tournament? No, I basically just go out on the golf course and try and look 
look good so then that okay. people ignore <laughs> ignore uh, but no i like i like competing i like uh i'm good at darts cornhole me and mitch it's actually kind of funny we would and we lived with each other last year in denver and we, i mean we we're broke so we would take the the train for two dollars down to this bar in denver and we wouldn't drink but we'd play corn there's a cornhole bar and we'd <laughs> win like uh, we'd either get free stuff the whole night or we'd come out of the bar with like a hundred bucks because we just hustle everybody in cornhole and then we do that in darts too um so I, I like stuff like that that that's awesome i turned 21 in a week and i'm just looking forward to getting access to bars so i can play cornhole yeah <laughs> honestly it's so much fun <laughs> and uh before we let you go any final words of wisdom i know you gave some words for uh people who are looking at organizations as professionals but uh, any words of wisdom for aspiring young pitchers athletes anybody in general getting into sports um, and sort of what are your future aspirations as a player? Uh, what does the future hold for Dylan Rowe going forward, if you even thought that far? Yeah, so my, my words of wisdom, and it might sound grim, but it's really not. Basically, the universe doesn't care. So no one's going to save you except yourself. There's literally one person in the world that can make you a big leaguer, and that's you. You can have people to help you, and you should. You should, shouldn't do it alone, but at the end of the day, you need to – take control of your entire career so that's what what your system is for training you need to have a plan in place so training without a plan is just not going to get you as far as a plan so find people there's too many people on the internet there's push performance i can help you driveline anything like that just take control of your career because when you get into the real world an organization you have to realize you're just one piece of the puzzle and if you fail they don't care the universe doesn't care but you do so let it be you that fails don't let anyone else fail for you and don't ever make excuses. I've been released four times. All four times were my fault. And I could sit here and say, Oh, I had a concussion, all this. Like, no, if I were better, I wouldn't have been released period. So if you get released or somebody tells you, no, don't say like, Oh, it's politics. Get better. Somebody tells you, Oh, we don't have room. There's room, make room. Somebody tells you, Oh, like this dude's just, whatever like it's a numbers game we had to let you go it wasn't a numbers game it was a numbers game is the numbers game was you aren't good enough period so take control of your own career and make it happen and then future aspirations man i'm gonna pitch in the big leagues i'm gonna find a way and and after that i'll move into some type of coaching um it's i really enjoy helping people get better and passing on the knowledge that i have and then continuing to learn i mean it's crazy how much like I said earlier, you start to think that you know something and then you meet somebody new and you're like, I literally know nothing. And right. so you just keep going. So, I mean, I just want to keep learning, keep growing. I mean, I want to help grow the game in Canada a little bit too when I get the chance. So, but I'll be in baseball. I plan awesome. on being in baseball. Dylan, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us again. Uh, to the listeners, Dylan's social media will be in the description below. Dylan, I really hope to see you in the big leagues soon, and maybe we'll meet one day after we take care of the bigger issues in the world and then the world stops ending. Um, hope to see you soon. Thank you again for being on today. Yeah, I appreciate you. And, I mean, for you and for anyone that's listening, if anybody has, ever has questions or just wants to talk, we got nothing but time. So let me know. And, again, I really appreciate you having me on and letting me, Mitch, and other guys kind of be heard. Appreciate you, Dylan. Thank you.